I don't normally do this, but I just felt it was significant. I want to kind of walk you through something, what's just ahead for us as a church family. So normally, you know, we do these ladies' events, and we all gather in and just press in and go deeper, and it's been great uh, for all of our ladies, lots of great response in how all that has gone. But the revelation of the table of the Lord has really started to shape a lot of the way we're thinking about what we're supposed to be doing as the church. And so um, the, the ladies' events coming in just um, a few weeks, actually over the February 14th weekend, I think, if, uh, yeah, 11th through 13th, and um, this is actually going to be ministry of our ladies in the homes of our ladies. And we want to help empower you to some very strategic, specific things that will take place in your homes together with other ladies as you invite them in around the table. And I believe God is going to show up in powerful and wonderful ways as we experience the table of the Lord together. So don't, uh, just because there's a little bit of a different sense or feel, um, be guarded against, you know, stepping back from that. But help, come on, let's help press in. How many of you want the culture of God's kingdom invading your hearts and homes? I mean, I want that, and we want to explore that. We want to grow in that together. So experience that. Tracy is going to be in the lobby and answer any questions you have uh, about what those packets are that you'll be given uh, when you decide when you're going to have your time in your home. You've got that weekend to make a de determination of what works best for you and the chicks you'll be inviting in. Um, and then following that, in a, just a few weeks after, we're going to have a worship night. And we're going to gather in here and worship. And I want to ask you to prioritize this in this season especially. But this is going to be February the 20th where we just come in and we begin to press in. Not just to have a worship night, but to actually lay some groundwork for that following weekend when Steve Upple is going to be with us from England. And that's called Fuel the Fire and that's going to be taking place on that first Saturday in March. And uh, we're going to have just a time on Saturday morning from 9 to noon. Actually, 8.30 to 12.30 we'll be rolling. Um, but I, I think it's just going to be a time of incredible impartation. Let me just tell you something about Steve Upple. In fact, on your seats, you'll see the handouts for Fuel the Fire. Um, Steve leads a movement in England. We connected with him now several years ago. And just began to, to develop a very deep, meaningful, personal friendship. I actually went over and did his daughter's wedding. Our families are very close. Um, he, is an, he is an external elder of our church. And I want you to know something about Steve. They, he's been, one illustration, he was asked to become the national leader of the Assemblies of God in, in the UK. And he told them no. It just wasn't part of his assignment. And he's... He's constantly trying to figure out what's the assignment of the Lord, not what's the opportunity that's at hand. And um, we now have um, more than 30 pastors and leaders that are going to be coming for this weekend. We have a guy coming from, in from India. <laughs> uh, we have some people coming from California, people we've not met. But I want to communicate something to you. It's important you understand this is not a pastor's conference for these pastors. This is a fuel the fire weekend for us as family. And these pastors are aware this is going and they're going to come in and experience what we possess as a church family. And I want to ask you um, to purpose that weekend to be a priority as we gather and just press in. And I really believe it's going to be a weekend of incredible impartation as Steve will be with us on that Saturday morning and then of course on uh, Sunday as well. 
something about getting in an atmosphere that releases and triggers something in our hearts. Um, by the way, um, we have confirmed and we have the school um, reserved for Destiny Table New York. And um, welcome to you all online with us. And I look forward to being there with you in April for worship night in New York. And it's just a day where we as the church want to step in to experience and explore the atmosphere that God's desiring for us to, to have in our hearts and in our homes and in our lives. I'm, I'm a little convoluted with uh, what I, I know is my assignment today. But I just want to cooperate with this very important thing. And, and if you'll just think in these terms, the, the atmosphere is what is vital that we understand in today in, in our gathering. You know, there's something that happens in the heart of a child when the parents are embracing each other in a spirit of unity right in front of them. Something feels good in the heart of a child. They can't even explain it, and we can't even understand it. But how many of you know there's something supernatural being triggered in that child's life? And there's something about this atmosphere that's utterly significant for us to understand. You and I are called by God to preserve the spirit of unity in the church. And there's something that happens in the world around us when we preserve the spirit of unity that feel, they feel really good. The Bible says you'll be known by your love for one another. They, they can't explain it. They can't understand it. But there's a spiritual atmosphere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like when the kingdom of God actually invades the earth because we're walking in obedience to his word, things begin to transact in the heart of humanity that no mind can comprehend. In other words, people will start to get saved and turn from their wicked ways when the church begins to experience the atmosphere of God's kingdom that has come into the earth. I am so excited about all the evangelistic efforts that we can put together and reach, you know, and, and do all the things to reach people. But if we aren't walking in the presence of God and in the power of God, then those efforts become very human-centered, and God wants to do something supernatural. I'm going to challenge you in some things because right now we're pretty much all in agreement, but I'm going to offend you today. I'm going to stir the pot a little bit today. I'm going to do it in a way um, that hopefully it's digestible, but I'm just giving you some forewarning. We're going to break a spirit of disunity in a society and in a day where a divided world actually possesses a very divided church, and a divided world needs a united church regardless of your positions and dispositions, uh, whatever that may be. I figured you wouldn't shout at me as much when I announced that I was going to be a little offensive today. But let's just get right to this. We can have distinction without having to have division if we understand agreement and unity are not always the same. We can have distinction without having to have division if we understand agreement and unity are not always the same. How many of you know in marriage, sometimes you have to make a choice to be happy instead of being right? Has anybody ever had to do that before? I, I know I'm right, but I'm going to be happy instead. That's all good. Yeah, you just believe what you want to believe. I'm going to leave that alone. What are you saying? We don't have to be in full agreement in order to walk in a spirit of unity. To experience something deeper, I have to let go of something shallow. And something shallow 
creates all kinds of splintered perspectives that, that create havoc and division. And the Lord's trying to take us to a spirit of unity. So recognize this. We can have distinction without having division if we understand agreement and unity are not always the same. I want to make sure we understand. I usually avoid cultural controversy. And I do that on purpose because I believe um, kingdom culture is what transforms society while political slants and political rants divide. So I want to focus in on the kingdom, but today I'm just going to step out there. I'm going to do something I've not ever done before. I'm just going to tell you right now, this cultural controversy needs to be addressed. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. I just want to say it. There, it's out there. It does not belong on pizza. If you believe pineapple belongs on pizza, then you're a sinner. I'm just kidding. But you are fruity because, like, fruit on your pizza, that's just, that's crazy. So Paul addressed divisive controversies of his day. Pineapple on pizza wasn't a thing until like years later. So that wasn't his issue. But what he's addressing, we're going to look at in Romans chapter 14. I want you to open your Bibles there. Romans chapter 14. And I want us to take a look. What we're talking about today is the progression of our core values. These five weeks we focus on these core central ideas. We are outrageously loving people. That's the first thing. We're outrageously loving. We passionately pursue the Lord. That's the second thing. And we have irrationally giving lifestyles. That's the third thing. And then today we're talking about what is to consistently submit to God's desires. And next week we want to focus on how to effectively disciple others to do the same. But when we're talking about consistently submitting to God's desires, we need to understand this is not about a religious order of compliance, but rather a relational order of surrender to the very desires of God. You can have a sense of what grieves God, and you can have a sense of what God finds joy in in your life. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's just phenomenal to me. We need to pay closer attention to the things that the Lord delights in. We begin to delight in those because we sense the delight of God. And then we can also learn the things that grieve the Lord. And we can then pay attention to that and begin to learn the grief of the Father and the things that we should avoid. And it's all out of this relational element as we walk this out. And so Paul's actually talking about these grievances that were going on in the church and some issues that were taking place. And I think we just need to look at it from a, a modern-day perspective today. We're going to read together uh, Romans chapter 14, verses 19 to 21. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification or mutual upbuilding. Do not destroy. This is so important. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat 
or drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Now, let's just understand what Paul is talking about. Eating meat, uh, you know, what's the problem? We're going to read in a few moments the verse that says, he who only eats vegetables is weak in their faith. This is not a vegetarian support, uh, you know, a, a vegetarian bash uh, verse, uh, contrary to what, you know, you may want to extract that out. But what you need to understand and what we're taking a look at in this is the context of what Paul is addressing in his day of the church would be believers that would eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And what we read in Scripture very clearly, this was not a sin for you to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols, even though there were uh, many that were dealing with this self-condemning and condemning others' response. But what he's saying is, don't do it if it's going to cause other people to stumble. In other words, pay attention to the conscience of those around you in the way you live your life. This is important that we understand. Mature believers, if you count yourself as a mature believer, just say amen in your heart and don't say it out loud, okay? Mature believers, I want to talk to mature believers for a moment. Are you mature as a Christian? Because mature believers are asked in the text of what's being said here to actually uh, protect the conscience of other people. That's what a mature believer does. Because we are outrageously loving people who are consistently submitting to the desires of God, we don't want to offend the Holy Spirit by telling people this is right and that's wrong and you're an idiot if you don't believe the way I do. You understand? This is very important what Paul is addressing and he's saying let's make room here for the body of Christ to grow and understand in the loving disposition of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit at work in their lives. Mature believers are asked to protect the conscience of others, and in doing so, we then protect their faith. I want to just point to a portion of Scripture out of Matthew so that you can, some groundwork so that you can understand uh, what I want to point to today. Matthew 12, 20 to 21, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory in his name, the nations will put their hope. What this is talking about is how God lovingly cares for the dimly burning wick or the flickering flame of faith that might be faint in a person's life, God doesn't just haphazardly blow in that direction, but he actually cultivates that to awaken something of a greater faith in that person's life. How many of you understand that the very love God loved us with is the very love we're supposed to love others with? It's that love that actually should flow through us as we surrender to him. There are dimly burning wicks or flickering flames of faith in the hearts and lives of people around you. And you might be surprised who actually is spiritually immature that you might have thought were spiritually mature. How many of you know we may be surprised one day when we stand before the Lord and we see everything for what it truly is? Anybody? Like we're going to, I think some, we're going to stand there, we're going to step into eternity and it's going to hit us. Oh my goodness. The things that meant so much to me really didn't matter that much to God in so many respects. And the things that didn't matter so much to me, those are the things that really mattered to God. How many of you know we got to get this right now? There's regret 
when we live our lives and then we regret that we didn't make decisions, but then there is something much greater, much uh, more important, much more significant than regret, and that's why it's called eternal regret. We want to lessen our eternal regret because regret is one thing, but regret in the scope of eternity is a whole different thing. So there are these dimly burning wicks of people around you, and the Bible actually commissions us to carry the very love of God that was cautious with our flickering flame at times, to have that uh, caution in the way we address others. So let's now look at this uh, Romans chapter 14 as we go back in the chapter. I want to go to the beginning of it and look at verses 1 through 3. And it says, as for the one who is weak in faith, flickering flame, this, that's what we're talking about. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables, or they avoid this meat that's been sacrificed to idols. Verse 3, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. I want to read this in the, just verse 3, in the 2022 modern day transliteration. Let not the one who wears a mask despise the one who doesn't. And let not the one who doesn't wear a mask despise the one who does. It goes on in this particular transliteration that I made up. <laughs> let not the one who gets the vaccine despise the one who doesn't get the vaccine. And let not the one who doesn't get the vaccine Despise the one who does. Thanks for coming today. God bless you. I mean, can we just for a moment put all of our stellar arguments of whatever our position is aside and take a look at a deeper issue that's beyond the cultural issue that people are divided over? I know those are important issues, and I know that you've come to some resolve, whatever your position is, but we want to look at the deeper issue and recognize that God has commissioned us as stewards of the conscience of others, stewards of another person's faith, stewards of the condition of their heart stewards of that which can create and foster such disunity then contaminating the atmosphere of the kingdom that actually has the power to transform somebody's life. If you believe you are the one who's truly enlightened, God bless you. Be the one then who's spiritually mature, the steward of another person's conscience. When you take the treasure of being enlightened and you use it to pass judgment or formulate harsh conclusions about these idiots that just don't get it like I do, 
You're being used as a tool of division, and the enemy is having his way through your spiritually mature life. Fourteen to fifteen. Oh, sorry, we started nineteen. We're 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 still going. Uh, we're picking up at fourteen and fifteen. I know, and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. Are you tracking? It is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So if you have a friend who believes with all of their heart that they're not supposed to get the vaccine, and you've come to the then you're commissioned to actually protect their conscience rather than to argue them down to come to your conclusion. If you have a friend who believes with all their heart they're not supposed to do this and you believe otherwise, then again, you perhaps you're the enlightened one, but you're commissioned to protect their conscience. Now, where we began in verse 19 to 21. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good for drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Paul's saying that if you're a meat eater and you persuade the vegetarian that it's okay to eat meat because you've convinced them to do so, and then they eat meat, but they do so with a burdened conscience, then you've actually caused them to stumble, and your goal was not to protect them. Your goal was to be right and make them more like you. You're to be a defender of the flame, a protector of the conscience of the people around you, because the deeper reality of the unity of the body of Christ is the atmosphere of the kingdom of God that invades the earth and can transform every one of our lives. In the same way something transacts in the heart of a child when the parents experience and express the spirit of unity, so is it the case with the heart of the lost and the heart of the world. They will know you by your love for one another. Not they will know you because your theology is so sound. They will know you because you have strong positions and arguments and theological conclusions that can never be argued by anybody other than... No, you'll, they'll know you, church, by your love for one another, by the unity that we possess. We can have distinction without having to have division. Let's just continue that just for a moment. Let's hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands in agreement that the spirit of unity is being released in the body of Christ, not just here, but in the body of Christ and the church in general. 
Well, would you just stand with me? Let's stand and let's hiss. There's this interesting principle in Job 27. Haven't really addressed it much lately, but I, it is this interesting principle where Job says, I hiss the enemy away by the clapping of my hands. There's something about our applause to the Lord that actually has a spiritual impact. And would you just join an attitude of faith as we one more time just give the Lord a hand clap of praise and declaration. Lord, draw our hearts. Draw our hearts into unity. Draw our hearts into a deeper revelation of your love. Lord, help us to consistently submit to the very desires of God as our way of life. In the mighty name of Jesus, you are worthy of our praise, and the enemy is defeated in our lives, and the kingdom of God is at hand. In the mighty name of Jesus, thy kingdom come, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the mighty name of our risen King, thank you, Lord. A divided world agendas and embrace the deeper purposes of God's love. And it's not easy. How many of you feel deeply passionate about your personal conclusions? But how many of you know there's something deeper about eternity that we must learn to embrace? So the worship team's going to come, and we experience God's presence together, and then we bring that to real life with marching orders every week. So our God's presence to real life action point, GP2RL action point of the week, is simply to reflect on Romans 14 this week. Repent where you've missed it. And make a sincere effort to restore any relationship that's been strained or affected in any way. All in the name of pursuing a spirit of unity. And what I'd like us to do is together as a family, every week, communion is always available at the back of the center. But today, I want us to receive communion together. And I want us to do it in this spirit. The spirit that says... The broken body of Jesus, the shed blood of Christ, is enough to draw us past our personal perspectives, whatever those personal perspectives may be, to embrace distinction without having to embrace division. We become the body of Christ with many different political viewpoints and many different social, sociological viewpoints. We love each other forward every step of the way. So there are communion trays up at the front, communion trays at the back. If you would, just be dismissed to get those. Go and get your elements. It's all one cup. Um, and then come back, and we'll do this all together.
I do, um, I just want to point something out. First, shake your communion cup just because the becomes juice concentrate. But I, I didn't really think about any of this until um, maybe last night it hit me. But our our team, our pastoral team is going to be attending this event on Tuesday. There are going to be hundreds of pastors and leaders at this event at the request of Governor Stitt with the focus of unity in the state of Oklahoma, unity in the church. I hadn't put all that together that this was the topic for me this week, which I had prepared weeks ago. But then um, I was just praying last week and asking the Lord for some confirmation on a few things. And specifically, um, he confirmed almost immediately as I, as I prayed that prayer, my phone rang and the uh, office of the governor asked if I would take a podium responsibility at this event on Tuesday. I believe we're carrying something to release a spirit of unity in the hour in which we live. And I think that the Lord wants to release that even more so right now in the atmosphere of our hearts. If you're online or you're in this room and you've not prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you don't understand what this is about to be about. And I would invite you to come to that understanding, to that revelation where we surrender to the broken body of Jesus who died on the cross and the blood of Christ that flowed out of his body down that cross, soaking into the cursed ground as a result of man's sin, reversing the curse into the blessing of God to be awakened within our lives. If we are willing to look to Jesus Christ and confess, believe in our hearts, Jesus is Lord, and confess with our mouth, then something begins to transact in our lives supernaturally, spiritually. I can't explain it, but I went from death to life as a young adult. And when I went from death to life, all of a sudden, everything changed about what was going on inside me. I want you to know that. So can we just agree? Lord, we pause and we thank you for the richness of your word, the richness of your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the Savior of the world. You're here with us right now. You're not dead. You're alive. You laid yourself down that we might live. You were crucified on the cross, buried in the grave, sealed in that tomb, but you came back to life. And there's an empty tomb that resulted that you might fill our hearts with the purposes of God. Come on, very intentionally, with a certain measure of volume coming from you. If you agree Jesus is Lord, why don't you signify that with a great big amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just receive you are who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world, and so... 
as a family together right now, Lord, we acknowledge your broken body on our behalf, the suffering and the pain and the agony that you went through, that we might have life. So church, family, in unity, let's take and eat. truly is power in the blood of Jesus. Your word reveals the life is in the blood. I thank you, Lord, because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we no longer have to slay innocent animals. All of that stopped as soon as the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God, blood was shed on Calvary. So we receive, Lord, in remembrance of you. And I say, church family, take and drink. You know, our prayer team serves our church family every single week. Available to pray. They're going to be stationed in the back under those lights. If there's anything that we can stand with you and pray with you about, give us that opportunity to do that. We want to take just a few moments. Every week we do this, and I recently read a book by the late Young E. Cho, and he made a statement in the book, and it's so true. He said, the Western world church rarely takes time to spiritually digest what God has revealed. We're so busy getting our great messages out and then we are concluding so that everybody can go on. And I'm amazed at how many people right now um, are talking to me, looking for church, and, and they're saying, I'm tired of fast food church. That's what that, that phrase keeps coming up again and again and again from people that are saying, I'm just tired of fast food church. You know, it's just so... I, I, I want to make sure we're making room to digest what God is revealing. Revelation that's not nurtured will be lost. So that's why as we conclude, we always worship. It's not that the service is over and now we're singing and we all go. But we actually are going to take now what the Lord's stirring in our heart. Maybe some of us in this room need to repent. This is the time to do that. We repent for being used to create division rather than to release God's kingdom and unity in the earth. But would you just open your heart? We're just going to take a few moments to worship. Just allow the Holy Spirit to do a work within your heart. If we can pray with you during these few moments, then come to the back and join with the prayer team. There's power in the prayer of agreement. Lord, I just thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the strength of your spirit, Lord, that awakens things within us to cause us to become more of who you have designed us to become as the sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name, amen.